0: Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nickel Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning this podcast does contain spoilers for the Ryorden Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a and read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today I am not alone, I have a very special guest in the form of the meme maker themselves. Robert of the Damn Meme Page on all social platforms. Thank you for coming. Master Thank you,
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me. My, my dear friend. I am excited to be here.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, well, we are on well, we're on the book series at this moment on my podcast that you have you've gone through at, at an analytical level yourself on your own podcast, so you've yeah. got some experience here which should be which oh, should yeah. be fun.
1: <laughs> oh god, it's been like a year since I've read the the first King Chronicles book. my first time ever reading it so now now that I've gone through these chapters again I'm like oh boy this is memory lane
0: (laughs) memory lane all along yeah yeah it's uh it is it's very exciting it's been a while since I've read the King Chronicles as well before going through it for the podcast and uh Mm. oh it makes me feel so good this is definitely the King Chronicles are like my favorite I think out of like all the series
1: out of all the series I've read so far, I still haven't read the entire Kane Chronicles because I'm trying to keep it a secret in the off chance I ever get back to recording my podcast with my co-host. <laughs> um, but uh, I've read the all 15 books of the Cain Palpola Chronicles and I've read the Magnus Chase books very recently, actually. And so far from what I have read, and I've only read like a book and a half from the Kane Chronicles. And from all that so far, I think the Kane Chronicles is my favorite too.
0: Yeah, there's just something about it. I don't fully know what it is, but it's just, it's something that makes me happy.
1: I mean, out of three series, Rick is bound to write one that's, I was going to say not problematic, but...
0: There are moments <laughs> in there this. There are
1: moments, yeah. Yeah. Especially there. its uh, It was a real, um, I guess, like eye-opener, because my co-host, Hal, he's Black, and a lot of the times when we would go over something carter would say uh for example in these chapters just to get ahead of ourselves a little bit um hal and i had a large like a long conversation about what it meant to be like a person of color and to like um present yourself to the world Mm. and that as you get older you have to present yourself you know more and more quote unquote perfectly to get your fair share and like carter says that's not fair but that's just how it is
0: yeah, you know, the, and there was a a point that we've made in like the notes as well. So we will definitely ha- have a mini discussion about that as well because mm-hmm. it's it's something I noticed. Like, obviously I'm white as the sun, as I like to say, but like there are things you can kind of recognize along uh, on along things like that. And this is where I'm just kind of like, I don't understand how Rick managed to get so many other things so wrong when there are aspects of the Kane Chronicles that just like. Are done very well with the things that he manages to then really fuck up in like his and his other series i'm like how how did you manage this it's just
1: the king chronicles from what i remember feels a lot more not woke what's another word more like sobering like rick actually wrote about what it's like to be an african-american pretty well i assume from at least from what house told me there's a, mm. a lot a, there's a lot that he's gotten uh right to to put in quotations because you know not i don't think a, a white man could exactly get it 100 right mm. yeah <laughs> but it's just
0: uh, it's yeah. interesting at least like, like just in comparison this is the whole thing i feel like the king, this is why like i think the king chronicles is my my favorite of the series is because it feels so much more consistent I think this, yeah. the whole series is just consistently good. Like, there are no moments that kind of fall short for me, story wise. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of that, um, before we dive in, Robert, just let everyone know uh, your socials so they can go find who you are.
1: <laughs> oh God, yeah, I exist. Um, so <laughs> I am the damn meme page on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Damn is spelled D A M. Uh, you know, like like <laughs> like the. The damn and the name of this podcast.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, what's it called? Uh, I have a podcast too with my friend Hal. Where we go over the books that aren't in the main Camp Heplod Chronicles. It's called Into the Riordanverse. We are on a break right now because I uh, work full time and I go to school. And I have no time to record and edit. I have time to record or I have time to edit. Not necessarily both, but that, uh-huh. that, that that will come back at some point in the future, maybe someday.
0: <laughs> you will be able to get there eventually. Think positively. You got this. I believe in you. We believe in you and Hal.
1: In, in addition, Fran, um, <laughs> you and I and uh, a bunch of other people have collaborated on a, a project that should be coming out. The Saturday after this episode premieres,
0: yes. So on the 23rd of October, uh, myself, Robert, Erica, Darian, and Carter are releasing a Once Upon a Time rewatch podcast on the day of the 10 year anniversary of Once Upon a Time. Uh, it's called oh. Entering Storybook, and you can check out the social media right now. The intro episode, I think, should already be out at this point um we're recording in, in in the past currently so we don't actually know but um I'm just letting you know a secret to this but uh yeah you can check us out on storybrook pod on Instagram and Twitter at the moment it's
1: it's so weird sometimes to think about how time works in regards to podcasting <laughs> because we're promote. you can keep this in. this is funny you we're <laughs> promoting a podcast that comes out after this one premieres, but before we've recorded it. <laughs> and it's it's, we- it's always weird to think about like how set in stone a recording is. Oh, yeah. It's just always weird to think about time in general.
0: <laughs> but uh, going back to uh, the Kane Chronicles. So obviously uh, we're continuing the timeline journey with the Kane Chronicles, the Red Pyramid with... Chapter 5, We Meet the Monkey, and Chapter 6, Breakfast with a Crocodile, which is set in Carter's Point of View. As always, we've our points to focus on, so today we've got setting, mythology and magic, narrative, and generally what we thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. From Robert,
1: the basic overall synopsis is that Amos takes Carter and Sadie to the Brooklyn House or the Twenty First Gnome, and gives them a whole <laughs> um, narrative dump about where their family comes from and you know all that jazz. Um, Carter also has a really weird nightmare where he finds out that the Red Lord is planning to essentially uh, dust storm america he's planning to darut sandstorm this this place yeah
0: that's the best way to describe it i think do you know what darut
1: sandstorm is
0: i do not so i just kind of it's a a
1: song it's a song that goes like i i I don't want you i don't want you to get a copyright strike from my horrible uh not (laughs) singing you're
0: good um But yeah that's pretty much that is the synopsis for these these two chapters and the, admittedly, these are I do I did really enjoy these chapters actually I think this is the thing just consistently this feels so different already to like how I've been going through the lost hero I feel so much happier already <laughs>
1: You were struggling. I mean, some of my memes towards the end are just about you being like, oh God, there's still more. (laughs) And now it's like, I can see it in your
0: eyes. You're like, you're smiling, dude. You're happy. I'm so happy. Um, But yeah, we'll start coming into uh, the first chapter, which is chapter five. We meet the monkey. Um, Robert, did you want to read the overview for this or do you want to do it for chapter six? I'll
1: do it for chapter six.
0: All right, okay, I will go with this. So, we set sail from the Thames and make it all the way to the East River. Shocked, surprised, and confused, the siblings find themselves in front of a mansion that is only sometimes visible. With a wave of Carter's hand, they enter the 21st gnome. And it's a pretty outstanding place, decked out with ancient egyptian materials and a pretty dope flat screen the canes get to know the place introducing them to the statue of Thoth, god of knowledge and the only deity allowed into the house of life amos sends the kids to bed realizing that they are locked into brooklyn house the kids are anxious but in need of rest anyway carter's first mistake though arrives when he removes a pillow because that's when the nightmares break free dream sequence
1: (laughs) i i know it's because i'm a queer mess but when i i I just went through my brain with a wave of carter's hand i'm just imagining carter going like
0: (laughs) um and to everyone who can't see it is the fruity hand motion
1: (laughs) the fruity hands motion
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's the fruity hand motion yeah because that's what everyone says isn't it they're a little bit fruity yeah yeah is, and it it,
1: a little bit I th- the fact that I think in our group chat for all the other podcasters we talked to I think there's only like three or four straight people <laughs>
0: yeah
1: I don't I of, don't like 15
0: yeah I know in um the CB brain uh collaboration that I did um some time ago When this airs, um, we discussed that basically a lot of queer people did seem to like gravitate towards like Percy Jackson and the series. And all I can think is it's it's because the people who were obsessed with mythology as a kid were just like, you know, they were just hyper focusing on something because they were gay as fuck.
1: (laughs) The the mythology obsession to queer adult pipeline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing.
1: (laughs) It it really do be like that. (laughs)
0: yeah the Percy Jackson podcasters are just like literally living proof of that existence but um just in relation to chapter five so we've got a bit of the feedback that we have relating um to this chapter in particular um Robert just kind of like what were your sort of like thoughts for for chapter five when you were reading through it in general like what do you have to provide for it specifically
1: um. General. So, there's a few things that I want to talk about in regards to chapter five. The first thing is the the whole boat scene in general. The way Carter describes it, like that feeling mm. when you're on a roller coaster and like your stomach, like like your stomach, like feels like it's going up or whatever the feeling was. Mm. Um, that whole scene. I, I think I even said this when I first talked about it with Hal. Reminded me of uh, the boat scene from. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory.
0: Oh, oh, which one? The original or the... The original. The original. The original. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they're, when they're singing the creepy the creepy song. There's
1: there. no earthly way of knowing.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can... Yeah. Because then you see the... Cre- yeah. yeah. Yeah, that does actually make a lot of sense, like you said, Amir. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's,
1: <laughs> it's just... Um... That's generally what I thought the first time I read this through. And then ju- just in general, when they get to New York and Carter and said, you're like, so the gods like, or, or like this whole shebang, what, what about Manhattan? And Amos looks over to Manhattan. He looks at the Empire State Building. He's like, bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, we,
1: we, we, we can't deal with them. That's their own mess right over there
0: yeah they've got their own messes. we don't want to get involved we'll never get involved we're staying out of it yeah I'm like you know what Amos that's fair that's fair
1: for me that sort of does like when um the Marvel Cinematic Universe would set up little bits of like references Mm. and then you would think oh they're never gonna you know actually meet up and I don't want to spoil anything hell I don't even know I've never read them I know at some point in the future the worlds collide.
0: Yes, uh, demigods and magicians. There, are some sort of spoilers here, but so it's fine. Oh. Um, but I won't talk anything about sp- specific to the books. But yeah, demigods and magicians is where Kane Chronicles and Percy Jackson collides. Yes. it's not the best. It's not the best short story series, I will admit. But like, it'll be something to get to. So I'm looking forward to when I get to that point. But um, eventually. Yeah, <laughs> six years from now um I don't know probably not six years maybe like three
1: <laughs> I still I, for me it's still amazing I never really thought about the timeline uh until I guess I started talking to you and yeah. then I'm like oh wait the first two King Chronicles books take place in between Lost Hero and Son of Neptune
0: yeah which I didn't know that either like yeah. I thought it was like every other but it's like no 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 like, first two books is in between and then the last King Chronicles book is After Blood of Olympus.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, yeah, After Blood of Olympus.
1: I, I, I guess that makes sense, because I need to remember books two through four take place over the span of, like, two
0: months. Yeah. God, it uh. stresses me out every time I think about it. <laughs> anyway, besides the point, moving, away, moving back to King Chronicles. Um, so... A few of the feedback things that I did have for chapter five myself were um, just the fact that, I don't even know how to say it, but basically sort of like, there are some things that made sense with what was happening, but then there are some things that didn't. Like the main one that stood out to me was the fact that Carter, you know, like world traveler, (laughs) son of an archaeologist and Egyptian-tologist or Egyptologist, I don't know how you would say it. Egypt Egyptologist, I think. Egyptologist, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, didn't know what a gnome was, the N-O-M-E, which is yeah. an a, ancient Egyptian term for like a, a place, an area. I'm like, this boy would know. This boy would know yeah. this.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's definitely one of Rick's um weak points or like weak weaknesses in writing is when he needs to have some like he needs to have something explained uh but he doesn't have he don't want his characters to know even though they should like Annabeth there's many times in the Percy Jackson series where she should clearly know but about something but because Rick wants to explain to the audience Annabeth has to com- has to conveniently not know what they're talking about
0: yeah and mainly the, the thing that confuses, you, confuses me about it is that they have Sadie there Sadie is the person who wouldn't know anything she's not traveled and learned about ancient egyptian things but there's another moment where she recognizes i don't remember what it is she either recognizes uh,
1: per ankh
0: yeah per ankh and she's like no no i know that that's right and carter is the one being like no that doesn't seem about right even though he's like i know i recognize it and i'm like okay if you know you recognize it why are you being a little shit <laughs> like, um the only other thing that I want to mention about this, and this is what, but this is another reason why I really love the, uh, the the King Chronicles in comparison to things like Percy Jackson, because the usual trope of like, oh, not now, I can't give you this information right now, you know, we've got to wait, you're not ready for it, or like interruptus momentosis, I couldn't think of a yeah. thing to say, where like no. they're trying to tell <laughs> you and then they leave doesn't happen (laughs) it doesn't happen at all some information is given here we have a promise for more tomorrow i really really appreciate that
1: (laughs) yeah uh uh what's it called interrupt this it's it's funny you say that that was uh, a joke in one of the first percy jackson podcasts that no longer runs camp uh radio camp half blood Mm. way back when and there was it was it was essentially what you're talking about they made up a a monster interrupt this about how like you know Every time Percy would get some information that we needed more, whoops, monster comes, you can't get more information. Or Chiron would say, nope, I can't give you more. But yeah, I agree with you. Here, Amos is first, Amos is a billion steps up from Chiron.
0: Yeah, Amos is actually the only adult other than Sally Jackson that I would trust with yeah. supporting children. <laughs> yeah, it's just,
1: I. I love Amos and I love how even the brief explanations we get because it's still early on in the book. We can't know everything. Like that's mm. how you build the narrative. You, you, leave, you leave breadcrumbs that build into uh, bigger plot points later on. Um, even then, I just, I feel comfortable when Amos is speaking. I don't know if that's like a, a way to describe it.
0: Yeah I think that's the thing like there is something about him that you you even though like at this point we still don't know much about him we have this level of feeling of trust with him as well in that like he's actually giving us information we aren't being told you know it's not the right time not now you're bothering me sort of thing like the usual thing that like child hero characters will receive in a text for plot related reasons he's like (laughs) oh sorry no, you know, I was you know. going to say, that the only thing I was going to say to it is just, like, it shows a level of respect to the characters and to the readers when information like this is provided, because it's like no, we're not going to keep things from you to kind of mess with you, like, we're going to give you this information so you can go forward knowing what's going on without feeling like you're in the dark.
1: It's such a nice change of pace.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, especially from, like, the Camp Papua Chronicles, instead of having adult who doesn't reveal anything and kid who believes anything they say, we have the reverse where Carter and Sadie are having a hard time believing what Carter, uh, what Amos is saying, but Amos is freely being like, listen, I'll tell you everything you want to know. The only thing is you have to believe me. Like, this is the truth. And if you don't believe me, your father will be up Shit's Creek without a paddle.
0: Mm. And I love that. Like, it's such, a, it's such a move away from the usual tropes in, like, middle grade and, like, young adult stories. And I'm just like, yes, finally, the main characters are treated with respect and the narrative finds a way to make it feel original. And this is also the additional thing about King Chronicles. It just feels more original. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like anything is recycled in this series in comparison. You know, like, Magnus Chase has moments where I feel like like I can tell this is closely connected to Percy Jackson. Because it, it feels like it. As well as the fact yeah. that it does actually have that moment like, Annabeth is in the first book. <laughs> like, like, it's very clearly closely connected.
1: Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't know. Th- this is definitely the series that feels the most disconnected from Rick's writing, in a sense. Which is weird, because as like I said earlier, there's there's a reference when Amos, like, looks at Manhattan and he's like, yeah, we don't fuck with them.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. It just... It, <laughs> It has that momentary, just like I know Rick wrote it, mm-hmm. but did he? <laughs> I guess it feels so different. At the same. It feels like something that would be part uh, actually of like the Rick and Presents imprint, like disconnected, but like you feel some sort of connection in the sense. Like, I know that the main, like the imprint books don't actually reference Percy Jackson or anything like that, but like mm-hmm. you know, there is a nod there. Yeah
1: yeah i mean how did rick go from this to writing the magnus chase books (laughs) which is a whole can of worms like i just read those books and i still i'm i made a tiktok about them and it's one of my famous well like one of my best tiktoks because people are like oh yeah this book is really problematic i kind of want i kind of want to make a new one another one being like you know what was good the Kane chronicles read those
0: Yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. More people need to read the King Chronicles, I swear.
1: More people need to read uh, the Rick Riordan Presents books too.
0: Uh, Yeah, read the Rick Riordan Presents imprint books and read the King Chronicles, please. Uh,
1: at, At the time of recording uh Gracie Kim revealed the cover of her second book and I, I lost my shit it looks so good
0: yes oh my god I was like I, I immediately did actually even though we didn't say I did immediately check to see if there was a pre-order link but there isn't one up yet
1: so not yet no
0: oh yeah but the moment the moment I'm getting <laughs> um I've just gotten uh Pahua and the Soul Stealer from Laurie M. Lee as well yep. that's Hmong mythology very very exciting um there's a load of stuff Back to the King Carlos. (laughs) So we're going to move on to chapter six now, which is breakfast with a crocodile. And uh, Robert, you can do the overview for chapter six.
1: Yep, I can. Slipping away from his body, Carter becomes a chicken spirit and finds himself traveling to Phoenix. There, he sees the fiery man once more and and he has it out for Carter and Sadie. Returning to his body, Carter gets ready, but finds his clothing are gone and replaced with looser material. While out at breakfast, Amos finally lays it all out. The Egyptian gods are real, and they are far too powerful to be out in the world, but their father unknowingly released five of them. The canes and faucets... I, I, part of the, a joke in my in my podcast is we call them the faucets. <laughs> Do it. Go for it. Go
0: for it. they the the, They can get the, it.
1: The canes and the faucets come from a long history of Egyptian ancestral blood, and combined... And combined makes the cane um, and combined makes the king's siblings more powerful than ever. It is here that Carter tells Amos about his dream and learns that it really wasn't a dream. He used to read Word Up magazine. He could have died if <laughs> spotted. Danger is afoot from the Red Lord, and Amos is going to search, uh, going in search of it. Before disappearing, he forbids them from entering the library. But of course, as kids, they do the opposite.
0: <laughs> yeah. Chapter six I think was the highlight of these two chapters like there's a lot that happens I feel like we had this is a whole thing like I felt like the King Chronicles is and this is me going writer mode it's like a a Mm -hmm. five act structure yeah like but it has like a double inciting incident in a sense like we have the call to action of the father being kidnapped and then we Mm -hmm. have this additional inciting incident of this red lord that is Mm -hmm. you know is going to clearly be part of the plot. Like, he is the ultimate danger. You have these two different moments, the heroic aspect of family and the heroic build-up for the villain. Um, It's just, oh, it's really interesting. I really do. (laughs) I love it so much. There is isn't actually, I've just got to say, there is a a theory also. So, King Chronicles is one that I don't fully want to spoil too much because also I don't always fully remember things um, about Mm -hmm. it because it has been a while. But there was one thing that was mentioned in chapter six by the red lord uh, let me get to it oh i found yeah so uh one is already entombed so that's judas kane being osiris um the second is weak she will be easily manipulated that leaves only two and the moment it was the the second is weak i was like oh i know what oh, this is in reference to now
1: oh wait what does your version look like that's my version
0: this one. Yours is nicer. Um,
1: yeah, mine's, mine is better, dude.
0: Yeah, the British covers is already shit. Which makes yeah. no sense when one of the main characters is English.
1: Is British, yeah. Or English.
0: But, you know, you win some, you lose some. Um, but yeah, that was just something that picked up to me. So obviously I'm not going to fully say it, but the context for this occurs later. The um, King
1: Chronicles is definitely a book series that once you finish it, if you reread it, you're going to be met with a lot of, oh, that's what that was.
0: Yeah. And that's what I love. The foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. The foreshadowing.
1: There is very good foreshadowing in the King Chronicles, just uh, at King Chronicles specifically.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, just to kind of go to the general like feedback. So, so this is one thing that I want to Mentioned, and I, I want to bring this up actually in the action Jackson um, Discord server, because I know some people will, will have some really good ways to constru- construct their thoughts about this. Yeah. We're back to the Western civilization being a huge part of mythology. Yeah. And I'm getting really tired of it, <laughs> because I do not understand, firstly, how ancient Egypt is considered part of Western civilization.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something. That's definitely Rick shooting himself in the foot. He's trying to be like, oh, it's all a part of Western civilization. Western civilization, it's the best. It's good. It's it's keeping, you know, the flame goes west or whatever the thing is from Percy Jackson. It's just... he, He had this great line, this great, like, paragraph about the power of Egypt and how it's older than, like, the Greeks and the Romans... And like current civilizations like the the UK and the US are blinks of time, like very short instances of time and compared to how long Egypt had been around. And then he ruins it by saying something about Western civilization.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I've looked it up. So technically it looks like Egypt would be considered part of Western civilization. But the way in which we modernly think of Western civilization doesn't make sense. So the definition is Western civilization refers to the art, literature, culture, and enduring ideas that emerge from the Eastern Mediterranean Basin, and Egypt is part of the Mediterranean. Yes. But how does, how does um, America and England are not part of the Mediterranean cultural history situation? No, they are not. No. Weirdly, France is, and and Spain. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. So part of the Mediterranean is Albania, Algeria, Bosnia mm-hmm. and Herzegovina, Go- Herzegovina, Croatia, Cyprus, Egypt, France, Greece, Israel, Italy, Lebanon, Libya, Malta, Monaco, Montenegro, Morocco, Slovenia, Spain, Syria, Tunisia, and Turkey. So how how has Rick <laughs> worked out that that uh, America and Britain, which are two mentioned places for like Western civilizations movements, how I don't.
1: And maybe it's just best if we don't think of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but also then it just makes even less it. So I'm just reading the fourth thing. So it says emerged from the Eastern Mediterranean. So maybe Eastern Mediterranean is different. Um, I mean, the centuries before the Common Era that developed in myriad forms through Middle Ages and ultimately took shape after the renaissance okay so the renaissance thing is then where it gets confusing because it mentions the mediterranean but the renaissance is like europe and england
1: yeah so um
0: (laughs) what eastern mediterranean countries
1: and it doesn't make sense
0: yeah rick how did you decide yeah western civilization sure I think I feel like he got confused with how people call like America, Europe, English, stuff like that. To, to be West.
1: fair, to be fair, he's from Texas, dude. He doesn't know he doesn't know anything <laughs> except Texas. I think they go, it's not a huge spoiler. I think they go to Texas later in this book. And that's when Rick is like, oh, Texas, we're here. I can explain everything. Anyway, Fran, uh, dear, dear sweet dead, dear sweet friend, uh, I, I need to talk to you about something else in your feedback. That was the most important part. I'm glad we got that out of the way. We're <laughs> going to go to the silly part where you're like, what person has a fizzy drink as a bedtime and morning drink? His dentists must hate him.
0: Yeah. The fact that he has ginger ale and he mentions that it's fizzing and it's on opened on his bedside table. It mm-hmm. angered me. It's so much. Like All I can think is like, like you wouldn't have like, it, well, firstly, I hope no one would have like a bottle of, like a can of Coke besides them for bed at night in the morning. I'm like, no, 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 no.
1: Oh, friend. Is that that
0: an American thing?
1: I I don't know if it's necessarily an American thing. It's definitely done a lot in America. I definitely know a bunch of friends who will be like, yeah, I went to sleep drinking. uh, It's mainly energy drinks, I think. Mainly because... One of the things about ADHD, for me at least, is that caffeine does the reverse. It doesn't wake me up. It puts me to sleep. So sometimes uh, if I'm really in a moment of like, I want to go to sleep, I'll down a monster and I'll be knocked out.
0: Oh, uh, it makes sense if Carter was also ADHD, but that's not being said yet. So I don't know.
1: I don't know if they ever do. I, I don't know. if they, I, think they I, do. don't,
0: I don't know. if I don't remember
1: if Rick goes down the route of um all neurodivergent kids are like children of gods or something whatever that would be cool
0: i don't think they do
1: no i think it just does that specifically for percy jackson
0: yeah because obviously it's his son isn't
1: it yeah and then the other like carter sadie and magnus chase even though it's never said that they have adhd i think a lot of rick's writing for like kid characters is based off his off his own son Mm. so i think he might subconsciously be like these are some weird things my adhd son does i'll have magnus do it i'll have carter do it
0: yeah yeah no okay i can that i can agree with but uh okay if that's the case then i'll be fine with it because that makes sense but i just read it and i was like what are you doing to your teeth
1: (laughs) you are just so like british the british does not have taste.
0: <laughs> Admittedly, we don't, we don't. Oh, King Chronicles. Yes, so King Chronicles. Um, the only thing other thing that I want to bring up is just, because um, I've talked about this a few little times, about how the four sips are clearly racist, um, and I just want to bring up another one. So they try, this is the one thing I'm kind of like, that feels like a really random justification to try and cover up the racism of the Fausts. In that they were like, oh yeah, no, you the Cain siblings. You guys are, you guys are born from like a really powerful bloodline. So you're too strong to be kept together. So we needed to separate you, which is why the gnome helped it, your grandparents take Sadie. And I'm like, mm, no, it still, still feels racist. <laughs> still yeah, feels racist.
1: <laughs> I don't. I definitely don't remember feeling like that when I first read it, but definitely now that I'm looking more into the context, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'd- And it's just very convenient that the Fawcett's took the white passing child instead of the black child. That's totally a coincidence.
0: Yeah, and specifically, and clearly consistently, if this was Carter's assumption, won't even allow him in the house or his father when they come to collect Sadie.
1: Rick honestly just wants to paint it off as they're mad, like, Grandma and Grandpa Fawcett are just very mad at Julius, for um the death of their mother Mm. which will be explored more later but they at least have referenced that Mm. um and I see how Rick is trying to paint it he's not trying to paint it as a thing of racism he's trying to paint it as a thing of grief and hatred built from grief
0: yeah it just feels racist
1: (laughs) it just feels racist it's I mean I, I honestly shouldn't Try and defend Rick a little bit. I I do and I don't because Rick <laughs> legit was like, yeah, um, some of the characters that you call offensive, I did not write to be offensive, so I think you're wrong. And I'm like, oh Rick. Rick,
0: what have you done?
1: Yeah. That was a whole that, that was a the whole thing. thing. <laughs> 2020 yeah.
0: was a messed up year.
1: <laughs> oh, many, many ways. But In many ways. <laughs> but when I, I, I genuinely just want to believe that the faucets are not racist, they're just grief and building hatred off of grief, which is not healthy at all, yeah. but it's a lot better than them being just straight up racist.
0: Yeah, the, the worst part is, that the only reason why I think they are is because they take it out on a child as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and it, it, it's the dark-skinned black child, and yeah. there was a moment when they mentioned it's because he looks like Julius, and I'm like, but that still sounds racist. Uh, yeah. thinking <laughs> it was. Stop it.
1: Yes. Rick has not been good at maintaining and trying to paint why someone might not like one of his like characters of color in a way that doesn't sound racist.
0: Yeah. But then makes it sound more
1: racist. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Rick, if he could genuinely apologize and admit that you know what this is a whole can of worms.
0: Yeah. Then this is the whole thing again, like the canvas Presents. Moments. Yeah. Read Rick Ryan presents in print. And also. How did it like? I don't. This is another thing of like why the Kane Chronicles just read so much better to me because I've not heard as many complaints in relation. There are some things like the fact that, like, the art that he chose for Sadie Kane in relation to like obviously various art, she just looks like white. And like in the description that we are provided, she's described she's as white a, like much lighter as Carter, who is dark skinned. So much lighter doesn't mean white. <laughs>
1: I'm glad that the fandom is, like, united on, hey, Rick, she's a white passing character. She's not white. What the hell? But when people try to say Percy might be anything other than white, they get furious and are like, no, he's a white man. And then I'm like, shut up. Just shut up.
0: Yeah. Admittedly, the people who are saying that Percy is a white man are definitely not the people who are supporting mixed race (laughs) Sadie.
1: No, no, they're not.
0: No, they're, they're just racist. <laughs> and this is why they need to meet, read more. Rick Rodden presents in print, but also probably the King Chronicles. Because yeah, the King Chronicles yeah. has issues in some mm-hmm. areas, but it's the more consistently better series of the lot. And so we're kind of going to go, just move into the King Chronicles again. <laughs> this is our whole thing, guys. We we very much, we go onto these tangents, but they're very important tangents. So listen, well, yeah. Um, yes. We're going to move into the uh, the main points of the episode. So we're going to start first with setting. And I've got to say, I know Netflix doesn't have a theme park, but I want them to get a theme park for their specific series so we can have a Brooklyn House 21st Gnome made yeah. to visit for theme park attraction. That would honestly, be fucking amazing.
1: Honestly, Between uh, Camp Half-Blood, Camp Jupiter, Hotel Valhalla, and um, uh, the Brooklyn House. The Brooklyn House is honestly my favorite setting, like main setting Mm -hmm. in all the books that Rick's ever written.
0: Literally, I just, it's so, so beautifully done. Um, I just, I, the way in which it's described, and this is the thing as well, what I really love, so we get this description of the gods in the books of being like, like the reason why they have animal forms human forms and like the hybrids in between is because they're meant to represent the natural side and the humanity and human side mm-hmm. um and that's what just like the like brooklyn house and like the gnome feels like to me like it is a really good blend of modern and ancient like going back to those natural sort of like the proper history sort of times and modern day technology. Like you've got like ancient Egyptian artifacts on the walls, you've got magic coursing through its veins, and then you've got a plasma screen TV in another room and stuff like that. Like it's this beautiful blend of history and modern type things that feels like a really good visualization of what ancient Egyptian mythology and just ancient Egypt as a whole was like it's like we hear this whole thing like ancient Egypt was. They created writing. They were the first people to basically have a written language. They were the first people to create medicine that is to this day really in a sense used. Like they basically created modern medicine. Lots of the things that we use now are started in ancient Egypt. Obviously, evolved over time, but things like that. Mm. And I think that just kind of that is somehow shown in this like beautiful two-page spread of description of what brooklyn house looks like and yeah. it just it immerses you in it so much and literally i was just picturing it in my head i was like oh god i want to see this place in real life i want i want to go to brooklyn house so bad which i like i got sometimes with camp half bird but like brooklyn house is definitely somewhere i want to go more yeah um but yeah but i think the just the setting of it is just just really nice. And just the description, it just feels so magical, like from the mm-hmm. get-go. Like we're experienced, like we're literally we're introduced to Brooklyn House through magic. Like Carter literally waves his hand, waves his hand and the doors open to this beautiful, magical, ancient and modern world. Mm-hmm. And it's just oh, I love it. And that'll lead into like the next part of like the mythology and magic. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. Cause i if we get like this huge like information on how these things work in the kane chronicles i would love to hear your thoughts on
1: that i it's definitely a lot better of an explanation that we got than when like percy asked chiron mm-hmm. about how the gods work and how the myths work and chiron was like "Up, oh, don't ask questions nope too, too, saying names is too powerful all that bullshit yeah
0: um
1: definitely getting Especially especially the demonstration that Amos gives where he like breaks the the plate and he builds it back together and he's like that's what your father that like that's what happened to like the Rosetta Stone, your father broke it, we fixed it, and that like magic is just sort of based in uh like divining from the gods, essentially. Like that's mm-hmm. I think the explanation they give. That even though we try not to interact with them they they're the reason why like magic as we know it exists
0: yeah i think that's pretty awesome what i kind of like as well so you mentioned like the breaking of the plate so he breaks the plate and he also says the spell that he could have used to break the plate as well so you get additional information of like there are different things that you can do with magic like straight away we've got two spells like mm. we didn't learn shit <laughs> in Percy Jackson or even in the lost hero for like ages we're six chapters in we're learning spells we're learning the history of ancient egypt we're learning the history of the house of life we're learning the history of the canes we're learning how like gods and magicians worked together and when they split apart like there's just so much that's being broken down already that i just i just really appreciate (laughs) um and i think and we kind of touched on this briefly as well. I just really like that we're actually getting this information. Like what you mentioned, like Chiron would always be like, oh, sorry, I can't tell, you know, names of power, you know, or oh, Interruptus magnotus. Um yeah. <laughs> That's not a word, magnotus, but it's happened now. Um, but like we've literally been given an entire lot of information of like basically a history. And what would normally just feel like an info dump feels important to the story because like we've been told yeah no we need to know what's going on and the information that is provided is relevant to the story at hand it's not like just random exposition for things that won't be important later on everything that is said will have a purpose and you can kind of already sense that already even though we don't fully know what's going to happen what we're learning Mm. feels important i love that
1: (laughs) oh definitely it's I mean, the world building. I definitely think Rick's world building in the King Chronicles is better than the other two series. Mainly because it feels, it feels rushed in a sense because action has to happen and the plot needs to advance. They can't just stay in one location. They need to move from location to location doing X, Y, and Z. That's how plot works. Look at me explaining how plot works to an author. Um. <laughs> um but even the, I, I, the vibe I specifically get from like Percy Jackson is run, 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 get a bit of explanation, run, 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 run. Game Chronicles, I get running and explanation at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's a really good way to explain it. Because that is a very much a thing, like, especially for Percy Jackson, like by the end of the series, Percy mm-hmm. knows things, but also knows nothing at the same time. Whereas the King Chronicles, they are learning things that they can keep with them that clearly are going to be important. And then we also like Carter has like background information, but also Sadie seems to have gained like this sort of ability to recognize like hieroglyphics and stuff like that at the moment. Like she sees it and she recognizes it before Carter does. Like there is something that's growing there. Um, and I think it's just it is the world building for this especially is. It's just really well done. The only thing that I want to mention for a final sort of point is to do with the narrative. Like we both basically said that like the King Chronicles is is our favorite of the series because it's just so consistent. And the the thing is, it gets to the point, like especially with the Lost Hero that I've just gone through, that took a hundred something pages to get to the point of the narrative. Yeah. We're six chapters in and things are happening. They are progressing. We are learning. There is achievement happening. And yeah. I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm so happy.
1: Yeah. At least, well, you know, you get two lovely books to go through before you have to. Actually, Sun and Neptune is pretty good. But after that, oh,
0: no, she's good. yeah. Then,
1: Neptune is also pretty good. House of Hades is pretty good. Actually, no. You, you know, I think you'll be fat, you'll be fine until you know you get to Blood of Olympus.
0: Yeah. It's only just gonna be because of the length. Because like King Chronicles is like a perfect length. The heroes of Olympus is just so long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think the one thing that's just so what's good about the narrative with the King Chronicles as well is as what we've seen here is we've been provided a lot of information. Like we've been given so much and we've learned a lot. But there is yeah. still something that's kind of not being held back, but there is a mystery element still there of this Red Lord, of this specific birthday that apparently means danger. We just don't necessarily know what it is at this point. Mm-hmm. But we get the sense that we will probably find out soon. Like if we're going that's to a library, a true. source of knowledge. Yeah, um, It's possible we will find out at that point then. I don't know. Um, Sorry. i feel Go. like
1: i feel like definitely maybe something sub- maybe like as a bit of a cheeky thing maybe this is giving rick too much credit but with thoth being the only god allowed in the uh in the 21st gnome in the brooklyn house hmm. maybe it's just rick being a little cheeky like hey i know i usually interrupt exposition but what if i just exposition dump the crap and then I interrupt slightly only to give you more exposition. This is going to be the book of knowledge.
0: Which is good because we are interacting with, or at least seeing in statue form, the god of knowledge, which I yeah. love.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, I can see that. Yeah. That's giving Rick too much credit though. Yeah. That, that, that would be that would be good if Rick was a little cheeky. He's like, yeah, I know I interrupt like uh, information being delivered to my characters through like insert way. He does it mainly through monsters. Uh, yep. But what for the King Chronicles, I just did a good exposition.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would definitely say giving too much credit because he was releasing Heroes of Olympus at the same time and they didn't do it well.
1: <laughs> this man wrote like, even two at a time, a I like, like two books a year for a time. And then he wrote like a book a year.
0: Yeah, ah. that stresses me out. Like honestly, yeah. As an author myself, the idea actually gives me anxiety. <laughs> I like writing don't a, do this. B-
1: writing a book a year that you need to keep a concise timeline for, which he also fails at because he recons things accidentally, um, <laughs> while also being like, here are some short stories that combine my like like my three series together I I want to say this because it it was a joke I had before I read the Magnus Chase books I'm like if there was ever gonna be a big like three crossover you know of Hmm. Magnus Chase, Percy Jackson, and Kane Chronicles that the main like villain they would fight would be Jesus (laughs) and I thought that was just a joke and then Magnus Chase straight up goes like, yeah, Thor wants to fight Jesus.
0: <laughs> Jesus does exist in this timeline. I guess? <laughs> yeah. that's. I mean, they, technically we do have a reference to this. Like it does, like Amos does make reference to like, like I think he does not He does say G with the, like God with the capital G or something like that. But I think he makes yeah. a reference like, no, no I think he does sort of say something similar to that because like the Egyptian gods aren't for worshipping like the God in this world is or like, yeah, yeah something like that. Um, so there is a reference to possibly this God doesn't exist as well, which is always I think there's also a reference to Jackson. So there is a Jesus does exist in this in this mythology, real situation. So maybe we should. I wonder if that's the big project that Rick's working on Is a crossover between all the series Just
1: The three of them
0: fighting Jesus <laughs> The Christians Would hate him so much
1: <laughs> Right up and, um, I would respect him If he wrote I would that respect if, him he, so much. if he wrote his three main characters Fighting Jesus Christ <laughs> He would lose His entire uh, Christian fan base like that but I would respect the crap out of him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, imagine. <laughs> it's chaos. So the,
1: so the Kane Chronicles.
0: So the Kane Chronicles, Um, to finish off, Um, but that's kind of all we had to, like that's all that's written down for this. Basically, yeah. the Kane Chronicles is fucking amazing. I'm loving Absolutely. every second of it. There is nothing yeah. in this series that I am not enjoying. We're six chapters in and I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> And I feel
1: so happy. I hope you continue to enjoy yourself.
0: Yes. But with that, for everyone listening, of course, it's getting to the point where you can all join in. So for this week's question of the episode, I would like to know... When introduced to Brooklyn House, the 21st gnome, what was your reaction to this new magical world? That'll be going up on all of our social media the day after this episode goes out. So comment there or just drop me a DM or an email. Be kind. I swear to God. Um, And um, yeah, and to Rowan, obviously, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast as it always is.
1: This has been chaos. I do not envy the, the the you in the future who has to edit this.
0: Oh yeah, that's going to be a funny evening. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, again, yeah, seriously, thank you so much. And let the people know but they can't find you. Uh,
1: you can find me, you can find my current existence in the world somewhere. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I am at the damn meme page, damn is spelled D-A-M. If you'd like to catch up on my podcast before we decide to record some more episodes, that would be into the Riot universe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you want to hear me also be chaotic with a bunch of other people, uh, listen to Entering storybrook when it comes out.
0: Yep. And follow at Storybrooke pod.
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, buy Fran's books when they come out.
0: <laughs> Thank you, you, Robert.
1: Cut out what you have to, but like I'm just gonna say this. Fran is working on so many things. Please <laughs> buy them. She has like she and I talk a lot, and she tells me about the things she's up to and the things she's writing. and I'm like, when do you sleep?
0: <laughs> I sleep better now because I'm unemployed.
1: <laughs> Ooh,
0: unemployment follow Fran on Patreon. <laughs> oh
1: also uh drink water i drank half a gallon of water throughout this recording uh hydration is good
0: hydration is good a great message to end on so uh obviously as always that is linked in the uh, episode show notes so you can check out where robert is on socials um but for everyone listening thank you all for joining me for these well joining us for these chapters um be sure to join yes i'm sorry i forgot to change the me to we um in the closing section for this. Uh, but be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue the Road Reverse journey. To plug where well, you can find our podcasts, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher Deezer, and basically wherever you listen to podcasts. In, in the meantime, between episodes, you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts, you can email the camp at hotmail.com or if you would like to support me because again I am unemployed, <laughs> you can become Stay a free pod- on. exactly support me on Patreon over at patreoncom josephfran, which is linked in the episode show notes for early access and other exclusive perks. Want more Percy Jackson content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy Joseph Fran. And as Robert said, I am going to be an author, and my first book publishes in August of 2022, with a short story in April 2022. So if you want to find out when that is available for pre-orders, you can check me out and support me over at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again. Thank you all for tuning in and for Robert for joining me.
1: <laughs> I'm glad to exist at the same time as you because your friendship is, it means very much to me.
0: And your friendship means a lot to me as well, my bestie. As always, I've been Fran, your very own Hunter. I'll see stuff so speak to you all next time. Bye.
1: Goodbye everyone.